politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, taxpayers and all around good, solid Americans that still care about America to the Conservative Review podcast here at Conservative Review on this fine Friday. I'm sorry about the abbreviated week. But I think uh, we certainly did pack in a lot of information. Go to conservativereview.com and you can see we have some really heavy, <laughs> heavy articles that are important for you to read. We'll discuss some of them today. But today's topic in general is going to mix together a lot of the themes we've, we've spoken about until now. And it's really mass migration, godless compassion, the death of American citizenship, and our version of the fall of Rome. It caught my eye a couple days ago, the most recent column, or one of the most recent columns of Victor Davis Hansen, one of the few good writers left, and he talked about the death of American citizenship. That was the title of it. Um, you, could, you could see it at National Review, and uh, you know, let me know what you think. But I think you know, he just made a, he made, he made a great observation putting putting together everything. Open borders and sanctuary cities are blurring the distinction between illegal immigrants and Americans. You got activist judges that are eroding the Bill of Rights, taking away our freedom of speech. And, um, you know, he basically talks about multiculturalism has reduced the idea of e pluribus unum, you know, from many, there is one, to regressive tribalism. Americans often seem to owe their first allegiance to those who look like they do. To those who look like they do. Very interesting thing. Citizens cannot even agree over once hallowed and shared national holidays. It's eerie how much current American retribalization resembles the collapse of Rome as Goths Huns and Vandals all squabbled among themselves over what was left of a 1,200-year Roman citizenship, eager, eager to destroy what they could neither create nor emulate. Very, very solid points here. And he noted that citizenship has always been protected by the middle classes on the idea that they are more independent and self-reliant than you know the poor, but they can stand up to the influence and the power of the elites. Yet until recently, we had seen a decade of stagnant wages in entire regions ossified by outsourcing, offshoring, and unfair global trade. Historically, with the demise of the middle class, the end of the constitutional government follows. But citizenship also faces a quite different and even greater postmodern threat. Many of our coastal elites see nothing very exceptional in America, past and present. They prefer the cultural and values of the European Union without worrying that the EU's progressive utopian promises have been wrecked by open borders, economically stultifying regulations, and unapologetic and anti-democratic efforts to curb free exp expression and local autonomy. Often, such citizens of the world mentalities feel shame over the origins and traditions of America. Transnational organizations and accords on climate, criminal justice, and human rights are seen as superior their American counterparts. A new progressive iconoclasm seeks to destroy statues, rename streets and buildings, and wipe away art 
that does not reflect the more global values. You know, I'm looking around and I see mass migration everywhere. I'm seeing the breakdown of our cultural values. Some of it's independent from mass migration, but a lot of it is exacerbated by mass migration, bringing in gangs and security threats. You know, we live in a time when so many countries want to do us harm and so many people want to do us harm, and we let in so many people from these countries. And then we have them act as subversive agents. We're going to talk about one specific example today. But what do we have from Republicans? We have Republicans from the reddest of red states, from Oklahoma, from South Dakota, from Tennessee, from Mississippi, states where Trump carried them in 2016 by 40, 30 points, saying we don't have enough mass migration. Unbelievable. So I have an article out today talking about Senator James Lankford. He claims to be an evangelical Baptist pastor when he's nothing but a godless display of pseudo-compassion at the expense of the security and protection of Americans that he, for whom he swore an oath to protect. Him and eight other Republicans demanded that Trump bring in more refugees. And as I said before, they have the nerve to look at one category and ignore the record numbers that they're coming from all over the world more than ever in all different other categories that were bringing them in. And he forgets that. Although he doesn't forget it, he dishonestly says, he wrote a letter and says, he said in a statement last week, while I appreciate the administration's focus on curbing illegal immigration and caring for asylum seekers, that doesn't mean we should continue to, to reduce the admittance of refugees who are fleeing from persecution in their home countries. Um, yes, it does. Because it's not a zero-sum game between what you believe our obligations are to you know, citizens of 200 countries, 7.8 billion people in the world. You have to balance that, at least balance it, if you don't want to make it all about American citizens, balance it to the needs of Oklahomans. And he's forgetting the fact that we've had almost a million people come to our border. God knows how many people we didn't catch. Many, several hundred of thousand have been settled in the country. We have a backlog of over a million in our immigration courts, many of them seeking asylum. And then here's an important one. Even in the refugee category, so he's upset that, you know, typically we've brought in 70,000 refugees. This year, Trump set the cap at 18,000. But we, th here's the lie. There's another part of ORR, Office of Refugee Resettlement, that resettles UACs, unaccompanied alien children, who are really self-trafficked punks from Central America. They're 100% like refugees. They're treated like refugees. They're resettled under the same agency. We had a record 76,000 of them. And guess what? Texas County, that's the second farthest westernmost county in the panhandle of Oklahoma, Lankford's home state, had one of the highest per capita rates of resettlement of UACs this year. Got several hundred, which is a big deal for a county with so few people. Talk about fundamental transformation of a western Oklahoma county. Doesn't he care about them? This is the false compassion. And of course, the several hundred thousand temporary protected status, 244,000 pending U visa applications, which are bogus. Record numbers 
of um, you know, 1.1 million green cards, mainly chain migration, diversity visa lottery. On and on and on and on. And then, of course, there's um, the estimated uh, 14.3 million illegal immigrants in this country who are the ultimate refugees that we're on the, on the hook for. So, Senator Lankford, it does matter. These other things. Yes, they do matter. And you know what's funny? What's dishonest is that they always go and say that you need to bring in more, but they don't say how much. They say you shouldn't have the cap there. Well, what should the cap be? See, they don't want to say because they don't want to show their work. They don't want to show their cards because that would beg the question, how much is too much? If we already have record um, you know, border cross-border illegal immigration, and we have all these other statuses that are at a record. Well, why should, you know, how much more should we take? And because that's the deal. When, when Americans have been asked, how many um, immigrants do you think we have in this country? 72% said less than 10 million and half, basically half of respondents said under a million, according to a recent Harvard-Harris poll. In reality, we have 44 million legal immigrants in this country not to mention the illegal immigrant population. But I mean, this, this is what we have. We can't even get Republicans from red states. This is the failure, like we talked about earlier on Wednesday, to, to get involved in primaries. We have the reddest states in the union where Republicans can't even agree to the bedrock concept of a country of citizens with balanced immigration that works for America. One of the most radical elements of the left in this era that we are living in that's relatively new is open borders. You would think, to the extent we're going to have Republicans that sign on to that, they're from blue states. No. You look at the Republicans who signed on to this with Langford, who himself is from Oklahoma, where Republicans have won every single county for the last three, four elections. Trump won it by like 36 points. Senator Blunt from Missouri. Soon in rounds, both from South Dakota. I mean, those states Trump crushed. Portman from Ohio. Trump won that by like eight points. It's unbelievable. And then remember, a bunch of Republicans voted against the emergency declaration at the border last week. Mike Lee and Mitt Romney from Utah. Ruby Red State. Lamar Alexander from Tennessee. Roger Wicker from Mississippi. Red state Republicans, Ruby red state Republicans are, are to the left of where Democrats were 10 years ago. You know what's interesting about refugee resettlement? I want you guys to take a look at this map right here of um, refugee resettlement. Here is a map of those resettled. And I know it's a little bit hard to see the numbers on the screen. We'll keep it up so you could see it. But you could, you could go to the State Department's website. You could see some of this. The number of people we have brought in by state since fiscal year 2002. You know what the number one state is recently? Texas. Do you know what some of the biggest states that are being seated with refugees? Arizona. Georgia. North Carolina. Michigan, 
Pennsylvania. Arizona is a much smaller state than Florida, yet it has been resettled with as many refugees. The other states I mentioned had almost as many and much more than, let's say, a state like New Jersey. Do you guys notice a pattern? North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Ohio. Ohio also had a lot of refugees. There are states that the left has already successfully turned purple or think they can and are in the process of doing so. See, here's the irony. If these Republicans only care about power and don't care about principle, you would think they would at least understand that they are legislating and lobbying themselves into oblivion. But there you go. A lot of this is rooted in this godless compassion, and that's what it is. Compassion, which is contrary to your job to focus on your people, is cruelty. And one of our listeners, Stephen, sent me a note um, on Genesis 21, and it was literally the same observation I gave to my wife when we were reading it last year. Um, the story of Abraham and Ishmael and Hagar send, sends away Ishmael and Hagar um, because Sarah says, look, you know, we, we beseech God for 90 years to have a child. And he miraculously gave me a child at 90 years old. Isaac, we want him to be pure. We want him to be great. He's going to be the, um, he's going to create the, from his offspring, the, the Jewish nation. And, um, we just can't have Ishmael around here screwing around with him. And, you know, Abraham was a little bit squeamish about deporting him, so to speak. And remember, that was, you know, somewhat his son, and it was kind of ordained through God that he was supposed to have that. So it's certainly not people coming here the anal- to just drag over the analogy to what we're talking about today. Um, certainly not elective mass migration or illegal immigration. The, he was responsible for him. It was his... Um, son um not through his main wife but it was his son and so he was a little squeamish and and god said look you know listen to sarah she's right because you got to worry about your own people you have to look about look at the influence that they're having and ironically you know a lot of people believe that the arabs are either um descendants or uh take draw their inspiration from ishmael are we going to flood our country with ishmael Langford thinks he's being a great Christian by flooding America, making America be like Europe. He thinks that is just, oh, that's what God wants you to do. Yes, walk in Europe's footsteps. That is exactly what he wants us to do. Let me um, explain to you what happens when you have Muslim refugee resettlement. Now, you don't need to look farther than the Minneapolis community, the community of Minneapolis that's full of Somalis, which are committing an insane amount of crime, jihad, just beating people, horrible, horrible, what we brought in. But this is an article out of, um, it's theage.com, covering uh, Australia. Jewish boys taunted in shocking cases of anti-Semitic bullying at Melbourne schools. A 12-year-old Jewish student was forced to kneel down and kiss the shoes of a Muslim classmate, while a five-year-old boy was allegedly called a Jewish cockroach and repeatedly hounded in the school toilets by his young classmates. And they talk about a rapidly spreading crisis involving anti-Semitic bullying in in the Victorian state schools. 
No disciplinary action has been taken against the group of boys involved in the incident, which took place in a public park. Um, why is this happening now? It's rapidly spreading. Well, what changed? Saying, why wasn't Australia like this 40 years ago? Why wasn't Europe like this a number of years ago? America also, we're starting to see this. Mass migration, particularly from the Middle East in, in this example. So it's not, oh, a, a rapidly growing phenomenon. It's mass Islamic immigration. Cruel, this is what godless compassion is. Godless compassion is when Jews could no longer live in a place. And I'm just picking that because it's the most potent because they attack them first, but it's really everyone they go after because of mass migration. When your own existing citizens are now mocked and unsafe and can't live peacefully where they are, because you are so compassionate to bring in these people where Jews have no future in France and Belgium because they turn them into, into Gaza. That is the bogus form of Christianity being peddled by, by James Langford. And again, it, it's all, it's establishment people from all major religions, whether it's Mormons, whether it's Catholics, whether it's evangelicals, whether it's Jews. They have all subverted biblical values to promote mass migration. And it is the most counterintuitive policy imaginable. It is godless compassion. That's what it is. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. But that's what we have with Langford. But it gets worse than that. It gets much worse than that. Did you know that we now have people coming to our border from all over the globe? You're hearing a lot of news um, about, oh, you know, basically the numbers are down, the stuff the administration is doing is working, and it's true. Finally, they listen to us. Now, as we're going to note in a minute, they're not fully implementing the ideas with McAleenan in charge, and McAleenan needs to go. And anyone with a conservative megaphone needs to drum that through Trump's brain. But at least the perception has gotten out that, hey, we're closed for business, so the Central American numbers are going down. But guess what? The numbers from other countries are skyrocketing. Roll Call, of all out, uh, outlets, actually had an article on this, the growth of non-Spanish-speaking um, illegal immigrants. And it's presented a unique challenge. And the thing is, even as the overall numbers are going down, these numbers are going up. Now, these numbers aren't yet anywhere near the Central American numbers, what they were this year. So that's why the overall numbers are down. But are we going to make this mistake of always being reactive, always working backwards, always looking at the previous problem rather than looking ahead at the next problem right around the corner that's already germinated? It's not a problem until it is a problem. You know, we, we thought we had Mexican migration under control when already the Central Americans were starting, and then that blew up. Now we think we have that under control, but I'm here to tell you they're coming from every country now. I'm going to have data out today in an article on how we've had over 500% increases from Ecuador, from Brazil, from Nicaragua. Um, India, India this year has been stagnant, but over the last 10 years, it's increased 11,000%. And guess what? China. 
as I noted, we now have the data. Um, something like 2,300 came, 2,300 Chinese were caught, and most of them run and pay a lot of money to not get caught, Show, showed up at the border. That's a 98% increase from FY 2018 numbers. So that's brand new data I have um, got from a border agent. And um, here's the deal. You know what the agent told me? So he spoke about last week, the security threats, the espionage threats, how these people come without any documents because they ditch them in Brazil and they come up, they're wealthy as anything, but they're caught running. And then if they're caught, they say, oh, it's a communist country. You can't return on asylum. Well, if so, then why were you running? Very suspicious, huge security threat. The FBI doesn't vet them. We rely on a translation service because Spanish, they have you know, capabilities. Most of the agents speak Spanish. But if you're talking about other languages like Mandarin, they, they don't speak Mandarin. So they have a private translation service. The agent told me that he works with um, one of these agents that are now trained to do uh, credible fear interviews. And they caught the... So, so anyway, let me just back up. Until now, I've said the problem is that, look... You know, when the agents could speak the language natively, so they could peer through your heart, your soul, they could see if you're lying. You, you, can, you know, language is everything. You could kind of get the gist of who's real and who's bogus. But if you're relying on a third party, I mean, you're not going to see that. But it's worse than that. It's downright subversive. Who do you think speaks the language? Well, you're going to get immigrants from these countries. They're not all like that, but too many are. It gets back to what um, Victor David Davis Hansen said, which is very disquieting, but it's true in the era we live in, that basically um, Americans often seem to owe their first allegiance to those who look like they do. So if you bring in Arabic translators, they're going to be sympathetic to Arabic migration. If you bring in Chinese translators, they're going to be sympathetic to Chinese migration. They're not going to look out for sovereignty. And this agent tells me that they caught them whispering in their ears, coaching them, and then they just put down on the transcript. And th this is what's going on at the border. You're not going to hear this anywhere else. But I will tell you, this is what's going on. If we don't deter this within the next few months, we're going to have massive numbers from all countries. America's the new dumping ground. Now, many of you might be wondering, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't the extracontinental illegal immigrants be just as deterred as Central Americans? Because didn't we implement a policy with El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico that they have to be third-party safe countries? So if you basically, if you could have claimed asylum in any one of those countries, we, we send you back. You're not, I mean, even if you would have a legitimate claim, but who says America should be the, the destination? Other countries have to share with us. And that was the whole point. You, you get sent back because you bypassed your first safe country. If you're Chinese, there's no reason you can't go to Mexico, can't go to Guatemala. Why aren't they deterred? The answer is because we're not fully implementing it. If we did fully implement it, it would stop all migration except for those from Mexico because there is no country in between. But for that, we should do a 212F shutoff. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we fully implementing it? Well, here's your answer. Many of you have seen the article from last week, in the Washington Post. McAleenan did an interview 
with um, the Washington Post. These are the people he uses to leak stuff to. They're on his plane. They always travel on his plane. And basically, he openly talks about defying Trump's zero tolerance policy. It went too far. I couldn't be a part of that, he said. I couldn't, I couldn't ever be a part of that again. So what that leads me to believe is that just because you see a policy announced doesn't mean it's going to percolate in the field that he's going to implement it. It's a huge problem. You want to know why Trump administration hasn't done a 212F shutoff? That's why. It's McAleenan and his minions. This is a very big problem. I don't want to be talking about this, you know, when we have thousands of Chinese coming to our border. Let's deal with it before then, because I'll tell you, even as the numbers are going down, the numbers are going up from these countries. Because we're not deterring them. Why do you think the Chinese think that they could run? And then if they're caught, they know worse comes to worse. You just say asylum because they know we'll fall for that. Well, why are we falling for that? A, why are you running? And B, why don't you declare it elsewhere? C, why don't you come to a port, port of entry? But we're just letting them go. Never to be heard again. Another agent told me today, it was a separate one than the one that gave me the data, told me that in his entire career, he has never seen a Chinese give up. Every one of them runs. And he says almost all of them are males, very, very few children. If you're f fleeing persecution, doesn't make any sense. The espionage that China is engaging in, and we know this. We read last week the CNN article admitting in January of this year there's a huge problem with their diaspora in America. And this is the thing, we've never done that in our history. At a time when asymmetric, I mean, even when we had real warfare, we never took in nationals of that country just because that becomes the most subversive pipeline for them to screw you over certainly in this era where warfare is mainly asymmetrical and and these are the primary tactics they're going to use you can't have mass migration from the middle east during a time of jihadist terror upheaval you can't have mass migration from china at a time when that is their their biggest threat against us is espionage and stealing our property. And I say that even admitting the fact that I think a good number of Chinese immigrants are actually very productive and good relative to others. But I mean, dude, th this has to override it. People like James Lankford and, and pretty much 90% of Republicans, much less Democrats, they're so one-dimensional. It's about our obligations, what we owed others. No! It's what you do for Americans. You know, what is citizenship? What is citizenship? Madison said clearly, we quote this all the time when he said that we should only let in those that, quote, will incorporate himself into our society. George Washington, Washington in a letter to John Adams, he said that, um, talked about them being absorbed into the American life, quote, by an intermixture with our people they or their descendants get assimilated to our customs measures laws in a word soon become one people in his farewell address he often talked about um common cause being united under a common cause hamilton wrote in a 1802 essay 
The safety of our republic depends essentially on the energy of the common national sentiment, on a uniformity of principles and habits, on the exemption of the citizens from foreign bias and prejudice, and on the love of country, which will almost invariably be found to be closely connected with birth, education, and family. And he warned that the United States have already felt the evils of incorporating a large number of foreigners into their national mass by promoting in different classes different predilections in favor of particular foreign nations and antipathies against others. It has served very much to divide the community and to distract our councils. It has been often likely to compromise the interest of our own country in favor of another. The permanent effect of such a policy will be that in times of great public danger, there will be always a numerous body of men of whom there may be just grounds of distrust. The suspicion alone will weaken the strength of the nation, but their force may be actually employed in assisting an invader. In assisting an invader? I mean, it's literally what's happening. All these ethnic front groups, these immigrant groups, all part of this. And now we have the translators that CBP uses. He says the survival of a republic depends on, upon, quote, the preservation of a national spirit and national character to admit foreigners indiscriminately to the rights of citizens. The moment they put foot in our country would be nothing less than to admit the Grecian horse into the citadel of our liberty and sovereignty. I mean, that's that's the fall of our own. It's the fall of our country. Again, every policy has to be measured. And we're living in a time where immigration is used to subvert more than ever. you got to be more careful than ever, not less careful. And it's coming off of a time where we have record immigration after record immigration after record immigration. Some immigrants are awesome. We all know that. We all have friends of that. We have some listeners to the show who are immigrants. But you can't talk about immigrants in the abstract, as Thomas Sowell always said. It's like talking about the utility of food or shoes in the abstract. Well, what size? What type? You know, for what purpose? I mean, you, 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 the, the, um, the details matter. You can't have this. This is the surest and quickest way to destroy a nation. You destroy a, the concept of, of citizenship. And, and yes, we're living in an era of tribalism more than ever. It, it bothers me no, no end. You know, less people accuse me of being biased or something. I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you a story of my own religion, people, groups from my own religion. Whenever you have Jewish groups, Catholic groups, immigrant groups, whatever, you know, someone once said, hey, we need a, we need a, someone once said to me, we need, um, you know, a right-leaning cons- uh, conservative Jewish group. And I'm like, the, the entire concept is not conservative. Because by definition, whatever we believe is good for one group should be good for all Americans. You have to look at the whole of the people. There should never be a time when, as a matter of public policy, you have to look at a particular group. I'm Jewish, and I believe strongly in the veracity of my religion. I I try devoutly to adhere to it. But in terms of public policy, there's never a time I'm like, well, I need to do this, or I think this is good for this religion, this is good for that. No. No. What's good for America is good for everyone, or, or at least it should be. So anyway, I'll never forget there was this one time, you guys might remember this, maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, this guy killed a park ranger in Florida. And you know, when you kill a cop in most states, even nowadays, you're still going to get the death penalty. And this guy happened, he was maybe young, I don't know, young 20s or something, he was a young kid um he happened to come from a jewish family 
I get it. It's painful. It's it's not very common that you have Jews on death row, you know, murdering people. It's just not very common. It's pretty rare. But this guy did it. And I'll never forget, I saw these Jewish organizations and 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 even those that weren't particularly left wing put out all these like protests and I said, look, if you're against the death penalty globally, so fine, you're against it. But you guys never spoke out about it. You don't seem to be against it. <laughs> Certainly you can't say it's against Jewish values. So like, dude, what are you essentially saying? That there should be a carve out that anyone who kills if they happen to be Jewish should be exempt from it? I mean, what, what are you saying? Um, you know, it, it's this, it's this it, it, it just affects all of any, any group that's designated under the guise of, of a identity group. They always circle the wagons around that group. And then, and then ironically, it was like, dude, I mean, Jews should be the light onto the nations. Jews should be the leaders in biblical values. Where the hell do you think the death penalty comes from? Doing justice, setting up courts, and that the land will not be appeased unless it has the blood of the guy who shed the blood. How many times it says some version of that in Deuteronomy's multiple times. And you're, you're coming under the guise of Jewish values that, oh, I don't want this guy executed. There's a reason why we say, may God have mercy on his soul, because having compassion for people who don't deserve it, that is the job of God to work out. That's why we always said, since our founding, when we would execute someone, may God have mercy on your soul. We have to have mercy on the population, on the people for whom he's a danger, on the you know justice for the family of, of the victim that he killed. We can't do what's good for 7.8 billion people every time, all the time, without harming the people for whom the government is responsible to care for. The government is responsible to care for American citizens, and within the American citizen, government has to, as we spoke about yesterday in the last couple of days, take care of the peaceful, law-abiding citizens and, and deter and punish violent criminals, whether they're American and certainly foreign nationals, you know, we can't, well, Daniel, but prison's kind of tough. It's bad. What, that, that, yeah, but, you know, we can't do 100%. We could do 70, 80. That's what's justice. We can't do good. Fully good is, is for God. We have to do what is yashar, is the transliterated Hebrew word in Deuteronomy, um, which means just, straight, the straight path. You can't go, well, I, the straight path is a little bit too unpleasant. I have to go. Whew. Then you get a living hell. Then you get anarchy. We can't have like, oh, we deter everyone and keep everyone safe, but then we don't lock up criminals for too long and we, we you know, don't transform and harm Americans, but we take care of everyone coming from a garbage country, which is billions of people. No, <laughs> there's no such thing. That's utopia. That's for God. And, and, but, but that's for God in the next world. That's not what God wants us to do in this world. Because what you're going to do is a living hell. And I'm just sick of these phony pseudo, whether they're Jewish, evangelical, Catholic, whatever. It's godless, Soros, progressive values, which are very regressive, by the way. You know, think about this. Let me just read to you this article. Another uh, listener to the show um, from Minnesota sent this to me. 
this is talking about, you know, we talked about a lot of these small towns in Minnesota being fundamentally transformed. We talked about Worthington last week. May Township in northern Washington County, okay? Northern Washington County. So we're not talking about St. Paul and Minneapolis. This is May Township. It's it's a tiny place of, um, what is this, like 2,000 people. Very quiet place. And they now have gangs. After almost a week, wait, well, no, I'm sorry. Um, May Township in northern Washington County was rocked by the news of two brutal crimes this summer. On June 2nd, a resident returning home from graduation open house found the body of Jose Narivada Janice Huate, 47, of Minneapolis, face down in the water next to the drain culvert that runs down 176th Street. A black leather belt was cinched tightly around his neck, and a blanket had been wrapped and duct tape around the lower half of his body. I want... I'm reading this not to get gruesome on you. There's a very specific method to the duct tape. Remember, we talked about that before. Um, that is that is n- cartel type of stuff. A week later, an Uber driver spotted a woman lying in the middle of Arcola Trail North. I actually have an article on this. The 39-year-old woman who lives in St. Paul had been shot twice in the chest. Large pool of blood surrounded her. The two crimes occurred just 10 miles apart in the tiny rural St. Crow River community. Population 2,898. After almost a week in critical condition at Regions Hospital in St. Paul, the woman was able to tell authorities what happened, and basically um, she was tortured, drugged, kidnapped, and attempted murder. Two suspects were from the Serranos 13 gang. 32-year-old Angel Ignacio Sardina Padilla, which I, I had from my article, he was an illegal alien. They don't say that here in the Twin Cities Pioneer Press. Um, and 23-year-old Luis Alfredo Cortez Mendoza. Um, basically, they find out that um, with the duct tape case, investigators obtained a warrant to search Sardina Padilla's Facebook accounts and found videos and still images that he allegedly sent to others via Facebook Messenger. One video showed Cuate lying lifeless on a wood floor with a black leather belt cinched around his neck. The video showed a man with wrist tattoos matching Sardina Padilla's holding the end of the belt around um, Cuate's neck. And Sardina Padilla's voice is heard in the video saying, see this guy, cop caller, for all you snitches, all will suffer the same. At the end of the video, Sardina Padilla drops the belt, Cuate's head then drops. He allegedly snapped his neck, lips turned blue. Now, I mean, this is what Padilla wrote. Man and mom dump him now. Sorry, it's pretty blanked up, but owed money. Owed money. Folks, this is what happens in Mexico and Central America. And there's actually an article now about crime being down in El Salvador. Yeah, it's down there. It's up here because they exported all their dudes here. That's your compassion, Senator Lankford? Really? That's your compassion? Bringing cartel-style murderers, transforming quiet small towns in America? The cost, the crime, the culture? Really? That's what God wants? Are you kidding me? God has Soros values? You know, that's another thing. Soros seems to be, we're told by Lankford and all these phony left-wing Republicans, which is most Republicans, 
that God wants us to be pro-jailbreak, weak on crime. God wants us to bring in more refugees. God wants us to be more compassionate at our border. Well, at some point, we need to ask, Soros is obviously a really godly man. I mean, I guess Soros is a good man. I guess the Democrats and Soros are right. So why don't you become a Democrat? It is unbelievable what has happened to conservatism in America. No one understands what true compassion is in public policy. It just drives me nuts. Man, we didn't even scrape the surface of what I wanted to talk about today. So much more going on. Um, so many more of these stories. Terrible, terrible stories going on in fundamental transformation. LA paid $1.3 billion in taxpayer money to illegal aliens via welfare. Just from 2015 to 2016, according to a new report. That's theft. That's national theft. It's one of the Ten Commandments. If I, if I steal money and give it to foreigners that break into the country when against our laws, that is the ultimate theft on a grand scale. You know, if I took money from A and, and, and gave it to C, <clears throat> kind of like Amity Schley's Forgotten Man, her book, that is not, that's not compassion. That's, that's godlessness. You know, I'm just pulling up an article here. And I want to read to you something. I didn't prepare this, so I just want to, you know, I have an article out, The Forgotten American Taxpayer in, in the Immigration Fight from last November. And, you know, you can see it here up on the screen. Basically, I quote here from um, William Graham Sumner, 19th century Yale philosopher. Yes, this is what you, we used to have in our uh, elite institutions. They actually believed in real morals. And he, and he said like this. As soon as A observes something which seems to him to be wrong, for which X is suffering, A talks it over with B, and A and B then propose to get a law passed to remedy the evil and help X. Their law always proposes to determine what C shall do for X, or in the better case, what A, B, and C shall do for X, because often they're, they're not even involved. As for A and B, who get a law to make themselves do for X what they are willing to do for him, we have nothing to say except that they might better have done it without any law. But what I want to do is to look up C. I want to show you what manner of a man he is. I call him the forgotten man. Now, that was in the context of wealth redistribution among Americans. Could you imagine giving to the rest of the world? The forgotten man. How about some morality to the forgotten man? And again, you could talk about charity all you want. That's a different story. Although the biblical values is, it says in um, Exodus, about midway through, talks about, um, forgetting the exact language, but um, you shall give to the poor in your city. Um, it's, it says very clearly in your city, your people, meaning your family comes first. If you have a poor family member, then people in your city, then outside. Um, you have a greater responsibility. So that's even for charity. 
But for public policy, you swore an oath to Oklahoma Senator Langford. Who's going to pay for all this? More refugee resettlement? More Muslim resettlement? Could you guarantee that they're not going to be security problems? They're not going to be culturally subversive? They're not going to attack Jews and other people? But I'm going to tell you, most elite conservatives and Republicans have bought into this false sense of morality. They have. That's the reality. People in the administration, people in Congress. There's almost nobody in the Senate who thinks like us. But anyway, that's what we're going to stand for. The forgotten man, forgotten taxpayer every day of the week. And that includes next Monday. We'll be back here. Same time, same place. Have a terrific weekend. Till next time, God bless. and Thank you for listening.